Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast on the Until Saturday feed. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Manny Navarro. And Manny, um, I think yesterday when we did a little show prep, did you hold up your phone? Was it 84 degrees in South Florida? Yeah, it was nice and warm. I know you guys are freezing uh, around the rest of the country, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying the. Uh, it, it actually cooled down to about seventy today. Guys. Oh, okay. With chilly. your pickleball shirt on, I noticed. With you're, the, you're, yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, four degrees in Nashville this morning. Uh, completely snowed in. Le- finally left the house this morning for the first time in four days or three days. Went to the grocery. Also joined by Grace Rayner in. Um, w- Virginia, I know where you live. I know, is it like, do people just say like Eastern Virginia or just like Virginia Beach or the Hampton Roads area? Like, it's not like Southeastern Virginia, is it? Like, I know yeah, I think it is, but what do people say, refer, yeah, what do they refer to it as? I think they say Hampton Roads, but I don't know. I'm not a local here, but I think it's Hampton Roads. Okay. But Grace Rayner lives in Hampton Roads, continuing to make friends in her new home. Um, how's, how's the weather, Grace? It's not Nashville cold, but it is cold. It's like 30s and rainy. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. So, Also joined by Ari Wasserman, national college football reporter. And Ari, I have been in your shoes many times. As a parent of young children, you finally experience what it's like when schools, daycares get shut down for weather reasons, yet the weather is fine and everyone get around town. I know uh, you, were, you were very excited about that earlier this week. I feel like I'm in the backseat of an Uber right now. Like just like talking <laughs> about the weather with people. I don't know. Uh, can I, let me spice this up a little bit. Okay. We, uh, let me, let me defend my weather talk. We've been doing this for three years and we've had a panel of four for six months. We never talk about the weather, but it's very topical right now. So that's why I brought well, it up. Well, let me, and I'm going to, I'm going to go on a little mini rant here. Okay. Can we quit with the weather news sensationalizing every single thing? Like it's a national disaster. Like it's I feel like stop. the, the report, repo- but do you agree that reporting yes. on the news, that weather reporting on the news is sensationalized to the point where it's like obnoxious. I actually think that it's even dangerous to do it this way because when there's actually weather emergencies, people take less credence to it. Like we have to stop this whole thing of, you know, the world is coming to an end. It's cold. Okay. There's no reason why my daughter's daycare should have been closed on Tuesday. There, there was no ice. The roads were clear. It was just cold. We don't have to overreact to every single thing. Like Armageddon is coming. Like I like the tips just, they show you on the local news, like tips, how to avoid, like, don't go yeah. outside. No, don't no go crap. outside. So your face doesn't freeze off. It's 25. To, it's, it's cold, but I put a jacket on and I went okay. to the store. It's fine. It's tough guy. fine. Tough guy. No, I'm just saying right. like, it's like, it's not like an act like you, it's different for you. Like you were snowed into your house. Like that's like a weather issue. But like in Texas, if you turn on the news, it's like coming up next to the return of Christ and how cold it's going to get. Like, it's like, <laughs> come on, just tell people the truth. All right. All right. I, I agree. You know, what is a disaster though? Alabama's football roster. 
we're going to transition to that. Um, good show. We're going to hit on the coaching carousel. Never thought and, I'd hear the, those comments. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. but no one pushed back. And, and how these moves have affected the recruiting landscape. We're going to focus on Alabama, of course. We'll review some of the big commitments and decommitments of the last few weeks. And we've got trivia as well. But we're going to start with Nick Saban. We have not had a show since Nick Saban announced his retirement. Um, before we go into what's currently going on with the Alabama roster, let's, let's roundtable and just thoughts on Kalen DeBoer hire for more from a recruiting standpoint. And I'm going to give a little background information. If you listen to the show, none of this information is really new. And if you follow recruiting, but the one knock on Kalen DeBoer, and it's hard to find a knock on anything he's done in his career, except he did not recruit at a high level at the University of Washington. He did not sign a top 200 player in any of his two full cycles. And I'm concluding the class of 2024 that he just, you know, that early through the early signing period as an early signing period. 23 class, 26, uh, ranked number 26 nationally, 21 players, eight blue chippers. The class of 2024 through the early signing period ranked 41 partly because they only had 15 players and six blue chippers there. The average player rating was actually higher in this class than last class, despite the lower rating. Um, so Manny, I'm going to start with you from a recruiting standpoint, thoughts of the hire. Well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily excited about it from an Alabama perspective, uh, because as you mentioned, the boar isn't necessarily known for recruiting. He's also a guy who's from South Dakota um, and when you come to the Southeast part of the country and you have to go into Georgia and Alabama and Florida and recruit guys, uh, you, you want some familiarity, right? You want a guy who's been on this side of the country, uh, that can, that can recruit this area. I'm not saying he won't be able to do it wearing an Alabama, uh, shirt. I think that's going to take him a lot of places, but I think when you look at it from the surface from, or at least from that perspective uh, you say, man, maybe it just isn't the right kind of fit. And that's not to say uh, he's not a brilliant coach and he can't have success here, but I just think from a fit, right. From a uh, regional fit, I think they probably could have gone with somebody else that would have been a better fit. That's all. Grace, what say you? I think I'm more intrigued than I am nervous about it. Um, I think if you're Kirby smart, you're probably pumped, right? Because you're about to own these recruits in a way that you had to compete with Saban for initially. And now I think that Alabama not coming into Georgia as strong as they probably did with Saban is, is probably good news for them, but I don't want to write it off yet either. I think he, if he makes some smart hires, which it looks like he's going to with some Alabama roots um, has a, has a presence in these high schools. I think it could go okay. Um, he's a likable person. I think he'll crush the high school coach relationships and parents, I think, will love him. And so I'm not ready to say they're going to just keep the train moving, but I'm also not ready to say this is going to be a disaster from a recruiting standpoint. Ari, I'm guessing you have some thoughts. Look at that little smirk. Okay, so I just like spent the last hour writing a column about this. So it's like very fresh in my mind. And I'm going to share some some quotes because I think by the time this podcast is out, um, the story yes. will also be up. So I'm not giving anything away. Go check it out on The Athletic. But I had a very blunt conversation with Courtney Morgan about recruiting two weeks ago while he was still at Washington. Courtney Morgan has since gone with Kalen DeBoer. The general manager. I don't know what his title Alabama is. Football. He's the general manager yeah. at Washington. I don't know what they're going to call him at Alabama. But I asked him bluntly. 
How can you out evaluate coaches like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart while Nick Saban was still the coach at Alabama who basically have their picks of the top 50 players in the country? How can you, how can simply out evaluating by finding undervalued prospects ever be good enough to beat a team with 85 players whose average player ranking was a top 100 player nationally? Morgan responded, that's not evaluating. Um, and what he was saying is, so by the, by the way, Alabama, meet your new general manager of football. Like that is who it is. And the thing that Courtney Morgan liked the most, and I quote again about working for Kalen DeBoer is he allows me to be a true GM. My words matter at Michigan. I pounded the table for Mason Graham. When you're at a school like Michigan, star rankings matter. You bring in a three-star kid to the table who had no P5 offers, and they're looking at you like, what are the fans going to say? Well, what do we think the Alabama fans are going to say? So here's the thing that I think is very interesting and is probably going to drive the bus for this conversation. But what is Kalen DeBoer and Courtney Morgan going to do from a viewpoint standpoint when they get to Alabama? Was that their viewpoint because they were at Washington? Or is that going to be their viewpoint at, at at Alabama, that is the thing that's scary to me. So, like all of the things, the statistics that Mitch just said was, uh, Kalen DeBoer has never signed a top two hundred player. It's like, well, his P five experience is limited. I don't know how much I fault him for that, given where he was. But if they go into Alabama, a place who literally signed nine five star prospects um, two years ago with the evaluation of Mason Graham as the chief North star of how they view recruiting at Alabama, it is not going to work. They have to go death star mode and become maniacally obsessed with recruiting the way that Nick Saban was at that time, because the Alabama dynasty was built recruiting a certain level. It was built winning what 10 out of 13 recruiting crowns. It was built winning seven recruiting crowns in a row. So this like, it's just out evaluating people and knowing what you look for is a great thing to say at Washington. That is not the job that they took. So I'm very curious, and that's not to say they can't do it. And I think it's also another uh, nice intersection of like, how good is the Alabama job and will Alabama recruit itself? I think that's an interesting dynamic when half of the team is deflecting off the roster right now. So like there is a lot of, we'll have to wait and see how this goes. But from a philosophical standpoint, are Courtney Morgan and Kalen DeBoer going to dive headfirst into we need to recruit five-star prospects and win those battles, or are they going to try to Brian Harson this thing? Because there is a huge gap between those two things, and they are two very different jobs. That's my thought. I, yeah, I, very good good points and good quotes from Courtney there. I think the, the boring answer is it's going to be kind of a combination with more leaning towards we know we need to get the elite players. Like They're, they're still going to he's still going to look for those Mason Grams because he's had success there, but he knows he's at Alabama. And you, should. And you, you don't beat Georgia, LSU. Texas A&M, Tennessee, Texas now in Oklahoma by just out evaluating people. And Mitch, you're in a, you're a, in a situation where you can, you can get in the front door with those kids a lot easier. One thing I've said this a lot on the pod that um, I learned from you, Ari, when we started working together is like the time resource involved in recruiting, getting in the front door as the head coach at Alabama or with the A on your logo, 
takes a lot less time than it does at Washington. You're not, you, you know, if you're going after the five stars at Washington, it's more relationship. You get might spend more time. You're getting in the front door a lot easier at Alabama. And he's a smart guy. Courtney's a smart guy. They're going to figure out. They know how this works. So I, yeah, I, I'm with you guys too. Grace, the word you intri- intriguing was the word you use. I, I think we're all making similar points here. I just find it hard to believe that someone's going to take the head coaching job at Alabama and think that they're going to use the exact same model they used. Well, at somebody took the head coaching job at Auburn and thought that. Yeah. Also, like, also Auburn like, had yeah. Auburn hadn't won. Auburn is a great job. You can win there. Obviously, you can win there. Alabama is even a, dip, a much higher plane. Yeah. So the thing just that like I will say. Classes. No, yeah, and, and also, also, just because people have a habit of taking 13-second clips out of podcasts and miscategorizing yeah. what I'm trying to say, I am not in any way comparing DeBoer to Brian Harson. DeBoer is my favorite coach of the last year. I love everything he stands for, and I'm super excited to see how he translates at Alabama. It's going to be the most intriguing storyline that we all track on this podcast and in stories for the next year and into the future. Um, that said... They did just play for a national championship doing it their way. Like they did yes. do that. And we're in a world where um, the NIL stuff and the transfer portal stuff and the way that you assemble your roster is different than it did uh, or than it was when Nick Saban won the recruiting clown crown in 2016. So like calling Nick Saban a, a recruiting clown. No, he's a recruiting <laughs> God. <laughs> As a recruiting <laughs> god, uh, man, I I made people cry with that Alabama recruiting column. By the way, got Alabama fans like messaging me saying like it made them emotional. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. Because I was made, emotional. I, I get sad. very emotional when I have to look at your columns too. Different kinds yeah. of emotion. <laughs> yeah, but you know. So um, I, I want to cut that off I, because all right, you, you make some good points there. And the first thing I'm thinking of is good coaches adapt. Nick Saban adapt from a scheme standpoint, offensive football. The one major coach who has yet to adapt, Grace, <laughs> is Dabo Sweeney, right? I mean, I think across the landscape, what coach, yeah. you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Ari, we've talked Michigan, and maybe they haven't recruited the level we think they have, they should based on their success, but they've had success. They're like good coaches, you just have to adapt. And I think Courtney Morgan and Kalen DeBoer will adapt what they need to do. Now, Manny, we we haven't really talked about like our, our choices. Like I, I love Kalen DeBoer. You guys know I'm a big, always been a Washington proponent. But I think my first choice had you know would have been um, Mike Norvell because he he combines uh, all of the elements. He hasn't won at the level that Kalen DeBoer has, but he clearly is a good football coach, and he has recruited not in the SEC, but he recruits against the SEC. He's at a place that has NIL figured out, and he just to me checked all of the boxes. Maybe. If you were grading on categories, maybe DeBoer is a nine and a ten in certain things where Norvell's an eight, but across the board, Norvell's all eight, nines, and tens. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really why I thought DeBoer wasn't the perfect fit because again, like regionality, I think matters, right? And and you know, Mike Norvell's recruited this area of the country for a long time. And let's face it, the majority of the best players in the country are from the Southeast. They're from this part of the, they're, they're from Florida, Georgia and Alabama and Texas. I mean, that's, that's where the, the, the most draft picks come from every single year. That's where, uh, you know, the all Americans, most of them, you know, get recruited from. So uh, the fact that the has been on the other coast for a while now and, and, you know, originally from Sioux Falls, like, I just think from a personality fit, I think that matters. I think, it, I think it counts. And, you know, 
like you said, Norvell has already had a lot of success with the transfer portal. Um, you know, he, he, he helped the program turn around from, from whatever the disaster it was into an undefeated team until the, until a bunch of his players opted out of the orange bowl. So like to me, Norvell going into Alabama would have just been much more of a natural fit. That's not to say DeBoer can't have success, but you're right. That's why I'm not as excited about this if I'm an Alabama fan. Grace, who would have, if Grace Rainer searched for him, one uh, person, who would you have hired? I don't know that there was a perfect fit, right? Because, like, what Norvell has or doesn't have. But you got to make a hire. You got to make a hire. Something. I mean, I would have gone landing, but he shut that down so fast. But I thought he had the most of everything you need, like, uh, Saban protege, uh, recruiting philosophy, uh, experience recruiting the Southeast, willingness to attack the portal. Like, I just feel like there was no obvious candidate that had them all, but I, I when, guess. Went 0-3 against Kalen DeBoer. Went 0-3 against Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so uh, let's, we're not moving on from Alabama, but if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, well, can I first, interject one thing? Because you didn't come to me. And like, I was like waiting for you to come back to me. Because you're like, you're the Ari, host. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, Grace, I thought you answered it perfectly. Um, we have to remember that they're replacing Nick Saban and nobody yes. would be able yeah. to come in here and make us feel good. I think Dan Lanning would have been my selection too, because I think he illustrates the mindset that's necessary to do so. And again, I am nervous about this and maybe that's, that's weird. Um, he has been a power five head coach to bore that is for two straight years or two years total and has not ever had to or shown the skill sets that are absolutely necessary to thrive at the Alabama position. And I think that because there are more jobs open than viable candidates sometimes that I'm not sure that he has accomplished enough in his career um, to earn that job in other past 10, 15 years ago. Like it takes a lot to get that job. I mean, think about what Nick Saban already had accomplished when he got the job at Alabama. He already won a national championship at a Southern program and was an NFL coach who might've still been in the NFL had drew Brees passed the physical. Like he has, he had, it's just a scary hire. I'm not saying it's not going to work, but there are certain elements to it that scare me. And I think I would be the least scared if they hired Dan Lanning, because he at least has illustrated a understanding and a willingness to participate in recruitments at the highest possible level and knows flat out what it actually takes. Whereas Washington skinned the cat a different way and got further than him. And I'm afraid that success could poison them when they get to Bama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
we can eliminate two caveats. Like all of us agree that Dan, Lang, I mean that 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 DeBoer is a really good coach and we like him. Like so, we don't have to preface that. I'm we're Love all guilty him. of that. Yeah. And that replacing Nick Saban is almost impossible. But here's a little. You know, I'm a been a huge proponent of DeBoer, and I'm doing I've done some research for a project um, about coaches who started their careers at lower levels. And this isn't an indictment at all on DeBoer, but you know, his record at Sioux Falls in five seasons was 67 and three. And I'm always intrigued by coaches with gaudy records like that. Like, what did they take over? Because if they if they were like a 500 program and then he went 67 and three in five years, that's a, like holy crap. That's that's awesome. In the three years before he got to Sioux Falls, they were 35 and three. So I mean, he didn't screw things up. It's a completely different level. He inherited obviously for that level an amazing program and continued to win uh, at, at a high level there. I uh, just want to throw that out there. So. This has been, if you're following this, um, this might change by the time this podcast is released Thursday, but Alabama has had, in the class of 2025, this is not the portal losses like Caden Proctor um, that we talked about and Caleb Downs. This is what they've lost from the 2025 class since the, since the hire was announced. Five-star edge, uh, Zion Grady, number 23 overall. Five-star wide receiver, Jamie French, number 12 overall. Four-star edge, Javian Hilson, number 47 overall. Four-star offensive tackle, Mason Short, number 160 overall. Four-star offensive tackle, Dontrell Glover, number 170 all, 170 overall. So they've lost five players who are all top 200 players. And as a note we mentioned earlier, all ranked higher than any player that um, that Kellen DeBoer has signed in his career. So I, I think there's rightfully so, guys, a lot of panic from Alabama You're fans. You're going to have to add that into the column I send you. That's good stuff. Thank you. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the, the portal losses... I think it's just right now it's 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 kind of like staggering and it's just one one after the other and I get it. I think once things settle down, they go through spring practice. I expect Alabama obviously will be very active in the portal post spring. There's going to be a lot of kids who want to. There are a lot of kids who want to go play for him at Washington. There's going to be a ton of kids who want to go play for him at Alabama. So guys, don't you agree? Like the, the, while the panic level is very high right now, and sure, Caleb Downs is by all accounts a future top 10 pick and Caden Proctor started every game at left tackle. Huge losses. Don't want to minimize those minimize those at all. But Alabama is going to be very active in the portal and they will field a very, very good roster next fall. But any, any pushback on that? I mean, I think th- that's expected, right? I mean, I, I would still think that Alabama will be good enough to contend for an SEC championship next year, especially if Jalen Milrow is still there. He's one of the best returning quarterbacks in the country. So I think right off the bat, uh, they have something to build with, but it is scary who they've lost in the portal. And I guess my question to you guys in, in looking at this from a recruiting perspective is what is an acceptable class for Kalen DeBoer? Like what it, for him to come in year one, does he have to be at least top 10 to say, hey, he did his job at Alabama? Because I'm looking at Auburn, right, with the whole Brian Harson fiasco. And Auburn is usually a top 10 recruiting program. And this year they got back into the top 10. But for three years, amidst all that chaos, right, over there, they slipped to 19, 21, and 18 in three consecutive seasons. So if Kalen DeBoer's uh, Alabama recruiting classes the next couple of years slip to the teens, are we saying he's failing at Alabama or, or, or can he sustain it with the transfer portal work? What's your, what's your thought? I would be shocked that? if they fall into the teens. Well, let me, let me give you guys a scenario then. What if they finish number eight in twenty twenty five? So, like by at this yeah. point next year, heading His into first the first full cycle, yeah. I 
Why eight? Yeah, exactly the same as Brian eight. Kelly, right at LSU. I it's guess. Eight happy medium because it's a solid class, but it's not elite like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like eight is kind of where you know the second tier teams that are like not the recruiting juggernauts tend to finish. Like eight is like the Florida, Notre Dame, Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, USC range. Right. Usually, and not. I mean, what, Mitch? We looked this up when I wrote the the Saban column last week. Did they like not? They didn't fall outside of the top five in recruiting one time since 2011. I don't think. Or if they did, they were only outside of the top three one time, and when they were, it was at number five. Okay, here are their classes: two, so like, one, two, one, two, one, five, one, 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 one. Is that Morse code? Two one two one two one two one two one two. It sounds like my daughter's dancing instructor. Like she doesn't have. Sounds like it sounds like Ari's GPA. One two one two one two one two. You squared Ari's GPA. It went down. Sounds like my bank account. After after Alabama's loss, that's what this is all about. It's all ones and twos. After I had to pay my bookie all my my life savings. Yes, I mean I think that's whatever. Things can change, obviously, so much. They could be struggling on the recruiting front all summer and kids committing to Georgia, kids committing to LSU, and then they could have a great year and Melrose, unbelievable at quarterback, makes strides, and Ryan Grubb, like, wow, playing for Grubb and DePore, and then they start flipping kids left and right. I mean, like, that's what we do. We talk about things in the interim because it's a podcast and we're in sports, but just there's so many ways this can go between now and next December. Yeah, I think that how they do on the field next year is secondary to how they recruit. And I and I don't even know if you want to put a number on it. I think it's more so. Don't you think they the need approach. to prove that they can co- they can succeed in the SEC from a wins and losses standpoint? I think well, that's I think huge. that's a I think that's a really good segue to the next segment here, which is how good of a job is Alabama really, and will it build itself? Like that's the number one thing everyone's wondering. Like do like does DeBoer have to be a dog maniacal recruiter? Or does the logo on his polo put him in the top five by default? I don't think any programs in the top five by default in recruiting without. And 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 I don't know if that's, if there are some, it might not be Alabama. Like maybe Texas is. I mean, I there know. are teams that have routinely. Right Texas, yeah, I think there are teams that are routinely in the top five, regardless of what's going on in the field. A lot. Um, well, did we think Clemson was going to grace? Did you think Clemson was going to be once they elbowed their? We all know their trajectory. They won. They basically they won before they started recruiting an elite level. Then they had those two top five classes. Did you think like once they're at the to quote Ari's phrase at the cool kids table, they were going to be there for a while? I thought, yeah, I thought they'd stay in the five to nine range. Um, where are they this year? Do we know where, what they are in 24? 12, I think. 12. Um, yeah, I thought they would stay, but I also <laughs> thought they'd stay winning, you know? So that's why I, I think, don't... I think the, on the field is so crucial for him this year because recruits are going to be in wait-and-see mode for DeBoer. And I'm kind of with you, Mitch. If they see that offense rolling, I, I, I think that means a lot more for him in year one than it does maybe somewhere else. I think that's a terrible comparison. Clemson's not a blue blood program that had Bear Bryant as their coach. Like Al- Alabama's history and who they are is like woven into the fabric and the history of the sport. Like Clemson was a really nice build and they did a very good job of becoming elite, but they haven't been elite for decades. I'm going like, to pull I mean, the anti Ari. 
And okay. I, I, I agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate because you used to get mentioned, mad at me if I mentioned a program success like Washington that won, you know, 20, are we going to get to that on the show? Uh, my, my point is do, how much does it matter to kids in high school? It's what have you done for me lately? Like, do they it's care? It's not just that. Ryan though. I, I know. And I'm not sitting here to, yeah. I'm not here to argue Alabama's place. I don't think most kids sport. even have heard of Bear Bryant, but I think it's about program expectation, administrative buy in booster buy-in the culture of your program the culture i just mentioned clemson as yeah. a program that elbowed its way into the top five and slipped i know but we're not talking about teams that elbowed into the top five we're talking about long sustainable brands that have been a certain fixture in the sport over multiple coaching regimes dating back to the 50s like that's yeah. not i mean we're not talking about clemson was a cool brand for five years and they might still be a cool brand but that's not what we're talking about we're talking. We're comparing them to Ohio State. We're comparing them to to places like Texas and Georgia, um, places that have had multiple coaches that have recruited well over different regimes and circumstance. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So Manny, let me throw it to you. Like, where do you put Alabama without Saban on the college football food chain? To me, they're like Auburn. You know. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I, I just think without a superstar coach, uh, without a guy who's won championships, I mean, first don't of all, clip this. I'm not in the show anymore. <laughs> yes, this, this is uh, the man. This is, you said this on wide, right? Your Miami podcast. Yeah, Ari's, not, ducking Ari's, of, Ari's ducking out of his <laughs> I feel He's like hiding. Michael if Myers. Ari's running, if, if Ari's running away from a take, Manny, this is, you've gone too I far. I feel like Michael Myers, who was on the telethon standing next to Kanye 15 years ago on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they're Auburn. I, I come think, on, man. Come they're like on, Auburn. Manny. Their ceiling is high. Auburn's ceiling is high. Uh, Alabama can be uh, a Auburn championship program without Saban. Yeah. But, but it's about I, basement. It's not ceiling. What's the basement? The basement. Well, they, were, they could slip. They could slip to what Auburn did a couple. The last couple. They were seasons. six and five in Saban's first year, right? So you know, are you going to disagree with me that 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 Alabama? You can't see Alabama having. A, let's say with all the players they've lost, and let's say DeBoer goes in there, it's a bad fit. You don't think he could have? They can have an Auburn type season next next year? No, no. I I, I think that I'm trying to think more of a, a macro level here, not a micro. Like, could Alabama right. have a losing season one year? Sure, it happens to everybody. I'm talking about program basement based on how we feel of. The recruiting, the reputation, the administration, the expectation, like the basement of Alabama's program, they could not. I don't think it's possible. And if it is, then Lord help DeBoer. There's no way that I think that Alabama's recruiting could take the lull of a multi-year recruiting situation that Auburn had under Harson. Like, I think that there is a limit to how low it could go. Like Auburn got to a point where they weren't even involved with top 100 players. Like, I don't think that that's possible. If that is possible, then that would be like me taking a brand new Ferrari and like rolling it off the side of a cliff. Like, I, I just don't know. It's happened. There's I, been hires that just don't work. And and it's happened at other places. It's happened at Texas. The, the question to me is, is, but what is I, Alabama well, okay, in terms the, of? Let, let me say this. Sorry. I mean, everyone knows the Alabama history. They can look it up. I grew up a, Diehard Alabama fan in high school as a kid. My dad went to school there. I was probably the biggest Alabama fan in New Jersey. I'm very familiar with the, the history of the program. The question to me is post Bear, and it's a different era, but post Bear Bryant, everyone knows the coaches they cycled through, you know, Mike DeBose, yeah. Ray Perkins. They all struggled except for Gene Stallings, who had one breakout year. 
Has Saban elevated the program to a different stratosphere now, where the no. where the basement is so much, where the floor is so much higher than it was post Bear Here, Bryant? That's the question to me. That's a good point. Here's how you have to think about it. Remove. Ari's going to tell us how we have to think, Manny. No, no. This is, I think, a good way to. It's a good. <laughs> shut up, Mitch, and let me talk about this. Uh, um, remove every coach from where they are right now and just strip it so it's program only. Mm-hmm. What are the top 10 jobs in America? We, we've done this, right? Like With Alabama. Yeah. Alabama has got to be, was it three or four or five on that list at the very least? Like Auburn, I don't think is in the top 10. Like that to me is the discussion here. Like that, I don't know. You guys could disagree, but I think Georgia, Texas, and Ohio State are definitively better jobs if you remove the coach. Based on history, fan buy-in, location, talent, all that stuff. I think you could even swap out Ohio State and Alabama if you want to, but Ohio State is the main fixture of the North and um, a huge proponent and not proponent, a huge piece of the college football brand when it comes to viewership and stuff. Like I think that Ohio State is what it is. But even if you flip out four and three, say the top four, they're all in there. Then it gets interesting. So the question is, how much does the job, the job, the job, the job, help the coach in their pursuit to recruit a certain way? Like that to me is the whole thing. Like DeBoer parlayed his success in two years at Washington into one of the five best jobs in college football. And is Alabama actually a top five job or did Nick Saban make us think it was? That is the thing. And if you're saying they're on par with with Auburn, then then Manny is saying that without Saban, Alabama is not as good of a job as we perceived it to be with his presence. Right. I'm disagreeing with Manny. Yeah, I'm disagreeing with Manny um, to the extent there. Uh, But I think it's an unanswerable question, Ari. We, we, We will find out over the next 10 years. If they cycle through three coaches, now that the time is different and the, the patience is different than it was 20 years ago post-Bear Bryant, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think that is that is the question right there. And, and, you know, you throw every coach out. And I was looking this up while you were talking. We did recruiting rankings last year, like just ranking the programs. It wasn't a ranking. It was ranking the programs from a recruiting standpoint. It wasn't just ranking the programs. Now you can argue what's the difference there. And we did factor in the coach. I was hoping, we, you know, it wasn't in a vacuum. I said... The current head coach factored heavily into the rankings, but this was about the entire program as well. Location, history, facilities. And this, this we all voted in this. Our top five were Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Texas, and then USC, Texas A&M. Were the, and LSU is another one. LSU is yeah. another one. Yeah. Um, what if Kalen DeBoer goes 9-3 and three next year and signs the number 11 class? Is he on the hot seat? No. I don't think he's you on think the hot seat. You think that's nuts? But- yeah. Uh, Okay. Not after I mean, Billy one. Napier was at Florida and was year on the hot like 12 months into it. He hit a losing record. No, I know, but right, we, we know what you're saying. We don't know the we, we know what you're saying. We know the point. Um, I'm just saying okay. like there's no time to to fiddle through it and develop guys. It's either you go recruit top five classes and stack your roster and win consistently for three years or you're fired. There is no long term developmental you, strategy. You set that here. Precedent. If you're Alabama and you set that precedent and we're going to fire you after year one, if you go nine and three, like who are you going to go get? That's going to be better. No one's going to want to come there. 
don't think so they would ever me, fire him after let, year one. But I right. think that they could put him in an uncomfortable position after right. year one. Let me throw out a pro LSU stat. By the way, LSU, if we get to it, the program, the class of 2025, that has the number one quarterback, the number one wide receiver, and the number one running uh, running back already committed. Now, can I hold on to him? When we're talking about programs, capabilities, and f- what do you look for in a program? Multiple coaches can win there, not just Nick Saban, not just Bear Bryant. The last three head coaches have won a national championship at LSU. The current one has not. To me, that is as – I'm not saying that props LSU to number one. I'm not, I wouldn't put them there. But the fact that three different guys, and we don't – I don't think Les Miles and Ed Orgeron have like the best reputations as like X's and O's gurus have won a national title there says a lot about a program. Um, where Ohio State, a program that, that might have the highest floor in the country – They've won one national title in how many years, Ari? 30? Uh, I don't, I don't two national titles since 2002. Oh, yeah, two. Sorry, two. No, one since two, like, including, which year they went? Including 2002. So since yeah, 2000, they've won two. two in the past. When, when was their previous one before that? 14. No, before 2002. Like I'm saying, is it two in the past 30 <laughs> years, 40 oh, years? Oh, it was, it was 30 years. Yeah, yeah. They so they've won time. two national yeah. championships in 30, 40 years, whatever it is. And we think that's the program that might have the highest floor. So just throwing, on that, throwing that out there, is there an argument, Grace and Manny, R2, that LSU is a in a vacuum a better job than Alabama? If I – I'll let somebody else talk. No, I – I personally think it is because they've won with more coaches there. It feels it feels like over time. I mean, Nick Saban was special. Like that's the way I look at it. Like he went into Alabama, did something that only Bear Bryant could really do there. You know, I mean, there were a lot of other coaches. I, I'm old enough, Mitch. You and I are old enough to remember those bad years for Alabama. Yes, and there were a lot of them. Like I, I remember Gene Stallings and beating the Miami Hurricanes in the Sugar Bowl. And then Alabama being really bad for like the next 15 years. Like, I think Alabama is in a position now that Nick Saban is gone to take a step back and go through a rough period. I don't think Nick Saban changed anything there other than putting a bunch of championship trophies in, uh, there. Uh, but the next guy who comes in has to come in and, and be as crazy about recruiting as he was. And if he isn't, I don't think it's going to work. Here's another factor. And I don't pretend to be an uh, Alabama insider. None of us are. But w- one thing we've heard is that Nick Saban's power, strength, whatever, he was able to cut out all the BS in the program, all the power brokers, like silence them. Basically, I'm coming to Alabama. I don't want to hear from you. Leave me alone. That's the type of thing that has sabotaged Auburn time and time again. Now that Nick Saban's gone, do those power brokers, do those people with the big egos and the big money, do they reemerge and make life difficult for Carolyn DeBoer? I think there's some things like that we just don't, we can't answer that. And yeah. the programs that can eliminate all the BS are the ones that have a better chance of success. I'll push back only one thing, Manny, that you said. I think what Saban has done, he's changed the, because of the investment. He's the, the, no, you know, I'm not saying from an NIL standpoint, that's another issue. NIL, Alabama's might be lagging there. And but from a, from a university commitment, it's unparalleled at Alabama. And that's because I think there's so much there's so much competition in the southeast for players. Yes. Like Ohio State is in a perfect position in the Midwest. Michigan until now has been bad for a while. They haven't really been in the hunt. Ohio State's been the big dog in the Big 10 for a long time. Um and and it's like Alabama's always going to have to fight. They've got a much rougher neighborhood to to crawl out of um than Ohio State. And now that Texas is coming over and it's just to me uh it's not the same. It's not the same thing. You can't just turn your head and say, "Well, the next guy's going to come in and pick up right where Saban left off." Just isn't going to happen. Uh, yeah, I 
That's why I'm scared. (laughs) No, I mean, mean, like, because I feel like the next guy who comes in has to share the same temperament. And, like, I'm not sure that's there. That's it's scary. I'm not saying you can't do it. It's scary. Can you at least admit, Mitch, I know that you're a huge DeBoer guy. Like, can you at least admit that you're kind of wary of this? That's why I said that Mike Norvell would probably probably would have been my first choice because there but are. Then we would be on this podcast now saying Mike Norvell's never won anything. But then again, right. they just went undefeated. I don't know. It's it's yeah. a difficult. Yeah. Grace, what what do you remember? What are, what are your earliest memories of child? No, of, of Alabama football, Grace. <laughs> like, is, is, is was um, Nick Saban the coach when you started following college football? Yeah, yeah. Um, just like total dominance. I mean, in two thousand and seven, I was. Um, 14. So my entire <laughs> high school and college I career. I had two kids already. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe was I'm three. My youngest was three. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, my whole, like, my whole young adult slash adult life has been Nick Saban. At the, at the, that's why I think you can't look at the job, the Alabama job, without factoring him in. Like, he has transcended the program, in my opinion. Like, he is just on a completely different stratosphere. So you can't view that job objectively. It's impossible. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And he's there. He's uh, as Cam, our, our producer, noted in our, our message. He's like, would Saban let what he built slide at all? Now, if Nick Saban is a total a hole, he hopes it slides. He hopes you know they they if they cycle through three coaches in the next twelve years, he will go from the best coach of all time to like the super best coach of all time. Like his legacy would be even better if Alabama struggles after this. Obviously, he doesn't want that to happen. And do, do you guys think there's any? The fact that he's staying on board, what do you, you think it influences, has any effect on DeBoer? Ari? Yeah, I think it does. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. Okay. I mean, he might walk into his office and go, why aren't you recruiting these 12 players? <laughs> if it gets to that. I mean, honestly, like what? I mean, it could. Why? I, like, sometimes you can have a boss that meddles in your in your stuff all the time and like bothers you and calls you at inopportune times and like asks you a bunch of stuff and just won't leave you alone. Even when you're on vacation, what is sometimes <laughs> you have like a really good job where a, a, a <laughs> boss can help you out and, and make you a better person in your, in your career. And, and luckily I have the second one in Mitch. Oh, you be like, see how I tricked you there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, um, Saban to me, it, would be a huge asset because he understands how it works. He understands how it was built and he understands 
um, how Alabama works. Um, the thing that scares me a little bit, though, and I know that Nick Saban said that he here's the thing that I don't understand about Nick Saban's retirement. Okay. And I was uh, taking a long shower. It was the worst shower of my life because I missed the live podcast. And then I went on vacation and was anxious the whole time. Yeah, good, good time like, to be away. Yeah, was, I mean, it was awesome. I, I said, told my wife, we're going to go after the national championship game. And we're going to spend time together alone for the first time in six months. And that happened. It was just awesome for us in our relationship. But um, he said, and I think he said this, that he found it increasingly more challenging because of his age to assure people who were coming into the program that he would be there through their tenure. Right. I didn't quite understand that because eventually you're going to let somebody down. They just signed a whole class that, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago that now has to, you know, deal with the fact that Saban's gone. So no matter when you retire, there's no easy out. You're going to let a class or a coaching staff or a player down. Like there's no avoiding it. My actual honest to God question. And the only person who knows this is Saban is, um, did you retire because you do not have the internal bandwidth to try to master the new era of the sport, the NIL stuff, the transfer stuff, all the stuff that is happening now that is actually a threat to what Nick Saban did from an advantage standpoint, which is having better players. Um, if this was just like a, a challenge that he just didn't have the energy at his age to try to conquer, it's not a, it's not an implication that he couldn't, if he went all in on it, it's a matter of desire, you know, at a certain point when you win as much as you do, you know, what else is there left to prove? You don't want to go into the NIL era trying to figure it out when you're 75 years old. So the only thing that would scare me from the advisor standpoint, and, and Nick Saban has adapted better than anybody, we can say that definitively, is that the way that Nick Saban recruited and the results that he had also happened in an era where none of these rules existed. Like the 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 sport is different. It has changed. It's not evolved. It's changed. Um and now DeBoer has to try to figure that out at a place that expects to recruit top one classes, literally top one <laughs> classes in a new era that Nick Saban really, you know, has some familiarity with having been there the last few years, but not the, the king to the castle in terms of having all the answers to it. So how does Alabama fit in on the NIL stuff? And, and Kenny said this, and I think we're going to talk about it later in the week, but, you know, Alabama got a Saban discount. And I thought that was a really profound way of looking at it. Players were willing to look past NIL or look past other opportunities because the um, benefit what, what we hear of from, playing for what we hear from in our recruiting confidentials that Grace and, and Manny have done the last two years when you talk to kids. And I think it surprised some people how few of them. Now, there are some, but how few of them go to the highest bidder in NIL. As long as the NIL is there. They want to go to the place with the relationships and the development. And, right. But yeah. now yeah. will Alabama without the Saban factor have to start beating Miami <laughs> and Georgia and Ohio state and Tennessee and Texas and Texas A&M and all the other teams in the same general region for those players that might've just wanted to play for Saban their whole lives. Like there is a lot to this that is just, well, Saban's got an office down the hallway. He can bring his oatmeal cream pie into my office and help me figure it out. Like there, it's a complex issue. And when, when I'm breaking my earlier rule about saying that we know he's a good coach, 
but I think we're all confident saying that they will be well coached. This isn't a case where Manny, sorry to mention your the school you cover, <laughs> that you can look at a very talented Miami team that at times does not look well coached and underachieved. I, we don't think Alabama will underachieve with their talent. DeBoer has proven to be a good coach, and I think that's very important. They hired a good coach. Um, he's not checking. He doesn't have every box checked, but he's almost the anti-Mario with that. You know, you know, I'm not saying Mario's not a good coach. He just has proven that he's, he's underachieved, and now that he's got – let's slightly transition. Cam Ward's not a recruit. He's a transfer. How much more pressure is on Mario and staff now that they have Cam Ward with that roster next year? Well, I think all the excuses are out the window for Mario. He's flipped the roster completely now in three years. He's got back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes. He's got a bunch of freshmen who played. Uh, I think Cam Ward, I mean, you look at the ACC in general, and the ACC's picked up a lot of good quarterbacks through the portal. Uh, Is Miami the preseason favorite? I don't know that you can call him the preseason favorite because they still don't know how to take a knee with a lead in the fourth quarter. (laughs) But I, I think... I think you can certainly say that Cam Ward makes them a contender. He has to make them a contender because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country that was available in the portal, and they got him. And they have two of their top receivers back from a year ago that combined for 1,800 yards and I think 12 or 13 touchdowns. So they've got an offensive line. They've got a lot of pieces. This should be a better team. Now, are they going to win the ACC? I, I mean, I wouldn't put any money on it, but I think I think they have a chance to, to contend for it, sure. Clemson? Do we dare say I mean, it's not Florida State? I don't think they're losing so much. Is, could Clemson be a fa- co-favorite with Miami? Uh, you guys are the, you guys are in my Slack channel ACC friends. Yes, <laughs> Ari, are you jealous? I, I have an, I have a Slack be. channel called ACC. I was friends. just gonna say something, but I'm actually kind of tired. I don't have the I don't have the energy. <laughs> you, just go with them. That's fine. <laughs> I think Louisville's uh, in prime position. There, yes, right? that's a good one. Yeah, Louisville, Clemson, yeah. And, and Miami, and, and and Grace's friend Dave Doran at NC State. They, they yes, they always feisty the as you refer to him all the time. Uh, Ari, who's your uh, ACC <laughs> pick right now? <laughs> the portal is even cl- <laughs> finished. <laughs> Answer the question. In the spring, Boston hold you to it. Boston College. Boston College. <laughs> okay, we're going to transition now. There was a um, a coaching vacancy in the Southwest. Former colleague Bill Landis pushed a certain candidate for the job. Yeah, said that Arizona basically had one move to bring him home. And Ari, I'm guessing you didn't even get an interview for the job. Is that true? Oh no, I didn't. Uh, I, I, that, that, that's I assume you saw his tweet, Ari. I, I did see the tweet. He posted <laughs> a picture of me and said. Written. Bring him home. And I was in the college football mock playoff committee, so I looked like official too. That was uh, amazing. Tweet. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was, it was funny. Tweet. Landis is uh he's got jokes, that one. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> um so I, I think Washington rebounded very nicely with that hire. I think Jed Fish is a really good fit there. Uh he's proven he did what sort of DeBoer did, but he took over a bigger dumpster fire and won 10 games in the third year. Manny, what are the chances that Jed Fish is coaching in your state in the next three years? <laughs> I think he's going to stick it out at Washington. Um, you know, I don't know that he's going to go in there and 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 find the next Michael Penix and Romeo Dunze and all the other uh, replacements. But they're going to the Big Ten. They're excited. They've got a guy who's who's a good coach, a good X's and O's guy, and uh, I expect them to be competitive. Now, Florida will certainly make a push for him. Uh, when when they decide to part ways with Billy Napier, but you know the Big Ten 
does have a better TV contract and more money to work with than uh, anybody else, right? Better than that SEC deal, even. So, I, I it's interesting. Ari, chime in here too. Like, obviously, Washington didn't want to, didn't want to lose his coach, and Arizona didn't want to lose his coach. But I, from from the dom, the dominoes falling, like. Washington rebounded very nicely, and I think Arizona rebounded very nicely. Brent Brennan is maybe a guy that I thought they should have hired last time around, a guy who had ties to that program in Arizona. As a, as a, uh, a proud Wildcat alum, Ari, how would you grade your alma mater's new hire? Um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I, I think that you know the fact that he has some understanding of the way that U of A works helps. Um, I just feel like Arizona is at a place where temperament is the most important thing. Like the thing that I think Jed Fish did the best while he was at U of A was understanding the culture, the people, the program, where it was and where it needed to go. And I think there's so many hires in college football where you just don't have fundamental fits. So I think that this makes sense. And I'm very curious to like watch his press conference and to hear his his voice and to see what he does on the first you know month on the job. Because I think we kind of figured out very early on that Jed Fish understood the task. You know what I mean? And it's weird to say when people are being paid $3 million a year, sometimes they don't understand the task. And it's it's a weird thing, to, but they just don't. Um, and I, I like the hire, and I'm very curious to see what the next six weeks looks like because I think it's going to be revelatory. And if they're able to keep their two best players, which you know some people think is, is the case right now in Noah Fafita and, and T-Mac, then they might have a pretty good team next year. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think it's good, but you never quite know until you know. And we'll we'll keep tabs on it on the podcast moving forward. Grace, what, what are your thoughts on those two hires? Do you, you agree that they seem to be really, really good fits? Yeah, I like, I like Fish at Washington a lot. And I think that he – actually, I was rereading this this morning when uh, they were in the running for Elijah Rushing. It's Ari's story about how – dedicated and committed they were to getting him obviously they lost him but i think he's in a better town he's, he's got more talent now um i think he might i think like there's an argument to be made washington will recruit better um i actually got a yeah. question about this in my mailbag like is the national championship going to help washington recruit and i i don't think the playoff is going to help them so much as jed fish is going to help them so i like that hire i thought it was a smart hire and then i don't i don't know a ton about arizona but um I think it is one of those jobs that you like having a good fit. Breaking news. Our friend has found a home. You guys click on what oh, Manny wow. just Yes. Trevor Jackson, off-discussed quarterback, the highest-ranked quarterback in the class who was uncommitted, is committed to Florida State. Former Ole Miss commit. We were worried about his play as a senior i don't know it doesn't if you don't start on your high school football team maybe that is that a red flag evidently not um uh, for the seminoles who obviously need to bolster that quarterback position uh so very interested to see what happens there i want to mention on a we're not going to go through all of the transfers we talked about caden proctor and caleb downs but un, kind of under the radar austin mack is in the portal who is a kid who reclassified committed to washington i know that staff really liked him reclassified was enrolled was there this year um, still young, but left, I guess, after his first semester at Washington. I don't think he was in the spring. So he is going to be in, in high demand, um, a quarterback there. So um, it, it really interesting what happens with Trevor Jackson. Sometimes these guys, these late commits, don't pan out. They get to campus and they realize maybe there's a reason he didn't have all those offers anymore and is just not good enough to play there. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, 
but uh, yeah, Grace was talking about Washington and Arizona. I lost my train of thought there. But um, anything else, guys? Um, we, you know, we've Did got. Did you do trivia? No, not yet. We're not done. I was saying before we do oh. trivia. Um, Sorry, I thought you meant anything else. So on the we, show. we 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 have not potted since Bryce Underwood committed to LSU. I mentioned him earlier, the number one quarterback in the country from uh, Michigan. Now Julian Lewis has reclassified from 26 to 25 the USC commit and I didn't check before we got on the pod I don't know if the, the the rankings have been updated Manny had a really good story a couple maybe it was part of a mailbag I forgot a couple months ago about uh or was it Grace in, in one of your mailbags it was Grace in one of your, your mailbags about how the the recruiting sites uh kind of evaluate how they go about when someone reclassifies they just don't obviously insert him to to where he was uh so it'll be interesting to see the number one quarterback there is manny you've seen both and you seem to think that uh lewis is a better prospect than underwood i do um this seven on seven that i went to in orlando i think it was the ot7 uh tournament there last year uh bryce actually got benched <laughs> his seven on seven team uh between games because i don't think he was playing too well and uh, I remember watching Julian on one of the early season ESPN games, and I was just uber impressed with him. Thought, man, this guy's he's got the it factor playing at a really high level in Georgia, in the state of Georgia against elite competition. So I think just the eye test, the early eye test, I would say I think Julian Lewis is a little bit better. But, you know, that's why you uh, have a whole senior year to play out. And both of them, yeah. we'll, we'll see how they develop. And- and you just put in our little chat here that right now, I guess, Julian's can still them as a five-star number nine overall. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we've got a whole offseason of camps. Um, Syracuse, some commitments. Um, got a four-star. And again, a program that we we like never mentioned in the pod up in the last few months. Um, Ari's going to try and track down to a, uh, a, a story on Fran Brown and that, that program's elevated recruiting and how they're now definitely a factor. And, and they've been very active in the portal. So that's just one of those hires that, you know, when, when they got, when they, when they make coaching change, you're like, yeah, I guess it makes sense, but really, you know, how good can they be there? It's such a different, difficult place to recruit. They made a move and instantly snap your fingers and they become relevant in recruiting. Uh, Now they got to start to win games that, that wears thin after a year or two, if you're not winning games, but uh, it's just good to see a new program already kind of elbow its way into the the, the recruiting mix. Yeah. 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 Uh, Somebody who, wins a press conference, has a background at recruiting at the highest level, going to a place that is like the hardest place to recruit to in the country is a, is an interesting storyline track. And I'm going to try to get that story for us. Yeah. And it kind of just goes to tell you that a recruiter can like with a salesman can sell anything to anybody. Like if you're a good recruiter, you can, you know, there's, there's obviously a ceiling at Syracuse, but if you can recruit, you can, you know, if you, you've got a power five, you know, logo on, you can recruit our power four. Now, I guess you can recruit anywhere. So, uh, before we do trivia, anybody, any other deep thoughts? I was going to say Ari's column, I think on, uh, on players, you know, the transfer portal players, essentially following their head coaches to the new schools. I think it's going to become a huge subject here in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, especially when you see the amount of guys that are just leaving Bama and, and Washington, Washington, I think is losing all five, of their Joe Moore award offensive linemen, three of them going in the portal, two of them going to the NFL. Um, the fact that rosters can be decimated that quickly, um, it's going to, I think it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I'm interested to ask Nicole and people who talk with NCAA officials, like, are those conversations happening now? Are, are coaches and programs complaining about transfer portal windows and, you know, the 30 the day window that allows players to just jet as soon as a coach takes off? 
Yeah, there's no way though they can go back on the guy sitting out a year. To me, that's you know that the only impediment to guys transferring is making him sit out a year, and there's no way they're going to go back to that. Yeah, I think it's terrible that losing a coach now means losing your team in a lot of cases. I don't think that the solution that I came up with was correct. <laughs> I, got, I, I I wish I could go back in time and rewrite that. I think. Um, and I have always thought, and I don't know, I must have had a block or something, but restricting the freedom of the unpaid athlete while the coaches can go anywhere is probably not the move. And there's really only one answer here. And I think the answer is to make these players employees, <laughs> create a collective bargaining agreement, make them sign contracts with the schools that they're at, and then enforce those based on employment agreements the same way that a lot of us have. Um, and that would be a tough thing for them if their coach leaves, but also they're being compensated the same way, you know, I would be here if Mitch were to leave and vice versa. So it's, it was a, I didn't love it. I, I don't think that was a great column, but I'll push I, back I, slightly on that Ari. Yeah. Like I didn't agree with every part of the column, but I'll push back that telling a guy he can't go to one of 69, 70, whatever power five power programs are now. It's not really restricting him. Or even if you say yeah. you can't transfer in, in, within the conference, that's yeah, I mean, that's, that's slightly different because you're. But if a, if a if a player thinks that the coach is their ticket to development, there's whether that coach, coach, yeah, yeah, I know there's a lot of I'm, just, I'm defending it's you a little just, bit. I I got yeah, torn to shreds. I can't even walk right now. I couldn't even. It was the first story <laughs> I've ever written at the Athletic where I couldn't read the comments because I didn't feel like I could even defend them. The only thing that I would, as I was editing, and, and we we talked about this to some degree, like I just don't think this is anything new. Like, got coaches have been leaving forever, and guys have been. But you've never been able to just get true. in the portal and not have to sit out. You yeah, know? the and thing I want to stop is that if you hire a coach, you're also getting their players. Like that has to stop somehow, and I don't okay. know what it is, I, but you can't. The part of the hiring pack, like Jed Fish shouldn't be a better candidate because he has a first round receiver and a quarterback who might play in the NFL one day attached to him. Like that's not the spirit. It's like you don't hire a coach in the NFL because Mahomes is coming with you. And I know that's a dramatic, you know, example, but if and I got like I've been beaten up quite a bit this week. I feel bad for people who are 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 fans of Arizona. Okay, that's what I'm gonna push back on. That I, I misspoke earlier, like because Manny Manny shot down my argument right away. I knew there was a, a point that I misspoke on. I just don't get the what's the point of being a fan if my team's not going to contend for a conference championship or a playoff. That's just not how I think. That's not what I um, like I've been a Brooklyn. I've got my Brooklyn Nets fan on. I know, like I've been a fan for since I was moved to New Jersey when I was six years old. They made the finals twice. I, I'll never forget those two years they made the finals. It's great. Like I enjoy my team's success or lack of success. I don't say what's the point of bringing a Brooklyn Nets fan. No one likes them. They all like the Knicks. Like I just don't think like that. I don't think like that about any of my teams. So I don't think that like because your team loses its players, what's the point of rooting for Arizona? It's a terrible example because the New York the the New Jersey Nets have a legitimate chance to do it every year. And that's part of the reason why you keep going back. And that's not even the point of the discussion. It's not that Arizona doesn't have a chance to win a national championship. I don't think they would have won a national championship with Jet Fish. That wasn't the point. The point is that every time you're building something or have a year that shows the promise that you hang on for every year as a fan, 
if somebody else can come take everything that you've done, it's like, I've used this analogy before. Uh, I've had a conversation with people who think I should buy gold because the dollar is going to crash one day. And I always joke. It's like, okay, I could go buy gold and I can collect gold and put it in a safe in my house. But if it ever gets to a point in time where I have to use this gold to buy bread, to nourish my family, someone is going to take it from me. So there's no point. I'm just collecting gold for the strongest person on our block. So my thing is <laughs> not the strongest person on your block. No, certainly not. My <laughs> thing with Arizona has been you're blowing down the house as it's being constructed. The things that are happening at Arizona or were happening at Arizona were great. They were getting in players at a, at a rate that they weren't for the past 20 years. They were winning at a clip that they hadn't done more than twice in the last 20 years. They had a coach who seemingly loved their program. They had a, a players that seemingly wanted to be loyal to the program. They were going into an offseason that would have been a conference favorite potentially. And then another team bought it. That sucks. And I'm not saying that, you know, I use the word hopeless, but it does feel hopeless. If you read like fans on my phone that I went to college with, or you see on message boards, the way that people are reacting to what happened, it does feel like, why are we so invested into this? If even when we do something good, we lose it to somebody else. It's not a national championship discussion. And it never was. It's a building discussion. They can't even build without it being taken away from them. That stinks. What's the point? If you can't fix the rules in order to protect programs from having everything that they've worked for and hired for and built for stolen from them, then every single time you build the foundation to a new house, you know a hurricane's coming. Like that, would you be a construction worker? That's happening. If you knew every time you forever. have built a house, I, I know the players over? leaving, but but a program finding a good coach. Him doing having success there, then a richer, better program taking that coach has been happening for a hundred years. I know, but the players leaving is right. a huge thing. And the reason why Arizona is good isn't because Jet Fish is uh what if they stay? What if the party, stay? Yeah. Then great. Happy for them. I hope yeah. they do. Yeah. For the fans that have been supporting Fish and clinging to the program at a rate in which they weren't doing for the past 20 years, get the root for the players that he brought into the program. Yep. They're, they were better because they've got better players, not because Fish is, is Bill Parcells. He is from Jersey, anyway. though. Yeah, I, I, texted, uh, I texted Christian Capel, our former colleague who was at the press conference, and asked Jed Fish what his favorite mall, store at the Livingston Mall is. Um, I don't think he got that question in, though. So we, I, I, grew up, I used to go to the mall in Jed Fish's hometown. I would go Spencer's. That was a pretty good store back in the day. All, the mall, all stores in the mall are the same. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Have you much. noticed that? Yeah, it's, 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 I went to the some, Mall of America once, and I was like super excited to go. Yeah, and I was just, like, oh, okay, so they just got more of the same store. Line. Yeah, it's like you've got four locations of Spencer's now instead right. of one. Yeah, it's just I thought it was kind of overrated, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mall of America slightly overrated. They should have new stores. Like, oh, you go to the Mall of America and you get to go to the EA Sports Store. Like that should, doesn't exist anywhere else but the Mall of America. Why? It's just bigger. It'd be like we. Go ahead. Okay. Should we go to trivia or block off about 15 minutes for Ari and I to review the uh, season finale of Fargo? <laughs> <laughs> we know what Grace is voting Fargo. for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to leave my house to pick what up my it? daughter for a doctor's appointment in 20 minutes, but we can. Okay. No, we can go. Actually, I'm. this is nobody cares, but my, my gym, um, I haven't left the house in three days. It's been shut down from because of the weather, and I just clicked on it and it opened up. So I'm after the pot, I'm going to go. After right. the pot, I'm going to file my column, actually, and you're going to read it. 
Oh, so I'm gonna go right it. anywhere. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go. No, I mean you have to reread it preliminary. I'm not saying it's finished, but you have to read it. I'm gonna clear my. I'll read it while on treadmill, so I clear my head. Okay, ready for a little trivia? Go okay. for it. Okay, I'm excited. Um, if I can find it in the 2023 class, yes. there were. <laughs> what was the average player rating of Washington's 1991 co-national <laughs> championship? Sorry. Um, all right. Who is the lowest rated quarterback as a recruit prospect ranking to start a game for Nick Saban in Alabama? The lowest rated quarterback to start a game at Alabama for Nick Saban. This is a trick Ooh. question. I was going to say Blake Sims. Uh, no, he actually was highly rated. Okay. There's another one from early on in his career that was terrible. But my first initial reaction was Mac Jones. No, uh, Jones is everyone. Everyone says Jones, like Mac Jones. Through, Jones's rating maybe got the Alabama, the Bama bump, but he ended up being a pretty like in the two hundreds, I think, maybe three hundreds. Oh, it's not like Mac Jones. Music, I don't know who it is. That's how I was gonna guess. I'm trying Jay, to remember. Jay Coker. Yeah, that's it, right? Jay Coker. Dramatic pause. Jake. That's right. Coker. Right. Yeah. Florida State Good transfer five twenty five. Good job, Manny. Okay, I remembered he was a three star. Uh, who <laughs> second was a guy? Was Matt Jones who, a four star? Oh yeah, high four star. I think. I mean, some oh, of them was, Well, I've, during the process, like he was con- committed to Kentucky as a three star, and then he flipped, and I think he went up the rank. Okay, then his he got a number bump. two. Is a guy he inherited was John Parker Wilson. Oh at, yeah, at four ninety three. <laughs> so I was kind of hoping that, that would be it because he didn't recruit him. Um, so yeah, thought that was a it's a good one. Yeah. Good so, one, Mitch. Yeah, one. Thanks for making it Alabama related too. That yeah, I wanted nice to, I wanted to do Saban related. I wanted to do something about Michigan State's recruiting in the uh in the nineties, but just not enough Grace, who there. was the highest rated player <laughs> that Michigan State signed between two thousand two and two thousand four? Go. <laughs> I was looking for oh, some yeah, old yeah, photos yeah. and I found a photo of Heather me and Heather at the uh nineteen ninety seven nineteen ninety seven Aloha Bowl with Michigan State and Washington. How about that? Washington, Michigan nice. State. Yeah. So that was, that was, was Saban got his ass kicked. It was like 55 17. They got destroyed. Remember this guy, Rashawn Sheehy? M- Manny, do you remember him? The name rings a bell. He ran yes. from like 200 yeah. yards, I think, in that game there. So, uh, yeah, it was weird being Christmas Day, being in a bowl game that was like, I felt like Manny. It was like 80 degrees, just a normal day for Manny. So, <laughs> all right, Ari, last week you had, last, last pod, you had to bolt early because you were late for a meeting, even though you were late for the pod. That so. cam was also part of, by the way. Let's not, Cam. You, if you can duck in here, I don't know if you can talk. Our producer was extra late to that meeting. Way to throw someone else under the bus. Are saying I wasn't the only one in the top. But that was the day where you made this big point about how your wife was yelling at you because you don't want to look at a calendar, and I was doing this, and you knew you had a meeting an hour later. Shit, guys, I gotta go. My, I gotta go. I'll talk to you guys later. (laughs) Are you serious? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so you knew you were, had a meeting in an hour, had a hard out, yet you were still late to the podcast. I forgot about the meeting. If we're being honest. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want to you sign us Thank off? Thank you here? for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday, Stars Matter Edition. I love Stars Matter. I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you guys soon.